The 80% is brought to you by Exonify. To take your frontline training to the next level and drive results for your business, head over to exonify.com. Episode 5, Global Stories from the Frontline, recorded on Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. Hi, Risha. Hey, JD. In our last episode, we spoke with five experienced talent development professionals from different parts of the world and different parts of the professional community. I'm Donald Taylor. I'm Hazel Jackson. My name's Linda Fenderloo. My name is Danny Johnson. I am Michelle Ockers. We wanted to get a sense of how frontline training and support is evolving, especially as a result of the pandemic. Now, if you haven't listened to episode four, Global Perspective, I highly recommend you hit pause right now and go check it out. Then come back to this conversation, which is a follow-up on the insights shared by our panel. Risha, what was your biggest takeaway from our last episode? It was a strong reminder that time is a challenge when it comes to training frontline employees all over the world. Two ideas really stood out to me because we heard them repeatedly from our guests, regardless of where they live or where they work. First, the frontline experience is heavily influenced by regional considerations. Culture, language, geography all play a role in how people are supported and may sometimes create barriers for organizations to overcome if they want to provide a right-fit support experience for everyone. The second piece, which was my favorite theme of the episode, is the need to understand your frontline workforce if you hope to support them properly. And this goes beyond just knowing what they do in their roles. It really requires us to go to the Gemba, as Michelle said, and understand what their experience is really like day to day. And right now, it's even more important to understand what people are going through as people, not just employees. You know, Aston Moss from Briscoe Group, who shared his story about engaging employees during lockdown in episode three, had a great quote. We went, why would people engage? So if we can understand the why, it gives us a really powerful opportunity to understand what's in the hearts and minds of our people. We genuinely believe that by putting that at the forefront, that's been incredibly powerful in itself. If a company isn't taking the time to put themselves in the shoes of their frontline employees, they're doing something wrong. You can't understand the struggles and the barriers that they're facing every day in their roles without actually talking to them and understanding what it's really going to take to be successful or continue working in different circumstances. Those are just a few highlights from our global panel discussion in our last episode. But there are also a lot of great comments that just didn't make it into the final cut. Specifically, our guests shared a lot of great real-world examples of how they see frontline support changing. We just couldn't include all of the stories last time. Otherwise, we would have had a three-hour episode. So we're bringing our panel back in this episode to tell these stories from the frontline. Let's start with a quick example from Danny Johnson, co-founder and principal analyst at Red Thread Research. I asked Danny what she's seeing out there as good examples of frontline training and support. We've seen some really interesting things in healthcare, actually. So healthcare workers are obviously frontline. I think even in the past eight weeks specifically, we've seen a lot of really good stuff happen there and a lot of innovation happen there. But even before that, they tend to be a little bit better. I don't know exactly why. Probably because they're in it for the long haul. They're not seasonal workers and they're not doing it to get through college. But there seems to be quite a bit of, of innovation in the healthcare space. With everything happening in the healthcare industry right now, It'll be interesting to see how organizations adapt and prioritize continued learning and support for the people who are really responsible for getting us all through this pandemic. Our next example is from Michelle Ockers, who you're going to hear a lot from in this episode. She shared a story about how frontline training can be improved in a manufacturing environment. 
when I was at Coca-Cola Amatil, how we approach the manufacturing environment and the frontline workers in the manufacturing environment. When I first started working with them, similar to a lot of manufacturing environments that I've walked into, which is very much on the job buddy training, but with very little guidance or scaffolding or support to the trainer to know what to train when and very little good learning design behind it. It's more you'll pick it up from this guy and he'll be your on-the-job buddy. So we went about putting some light structure in place. We stuck predominantly to on the job in the real environment because, hey, that's the best learning transfer environment you can find if you can make it safe. That we gave people lesson plans. To be a buddy trainer, you had to do a competency assessment and you also had to do a short program in instructing and demonstrating skills in the workplace, which meant you knew how to do that well, how to give feedback effectively, how to monitor progress of the person who you were given responsibility for supporting and we gave them light structure in the form of on-the-job session plans in effect not full of content just here's the things you need to cover in this session and when approximately in terms of the person's development or time in the job to cover it and we did provide um, some scaffolding in the form of a little e-learning so it's about in that case honoring the workplace putting it in the workplace taking what was naturally happening and giving it some support and scaffolding this is an example of how L&D can take advantage of strategies that are already in place, but also augment them to provide the right level of support without removing people from the job or overwhelming them with content. During our conversations with our guests, they shared plenty of great professional practices and experiences, but they also provided some insight into their personal lives. And I just have to share this clip from Linda Vanderloo, who started our conversation by telling me how she began her day from her home office in South Africa. I'll give you the interesting anecdotes first. So one of the things that I love doing in South Africa is going on safari. And unfortunately, with the lockdown, I'm unable to do that. But one of the the beautiful areas where most of the game are in the Kruger National Park now do their safaris virtually. So they have a live safari, safari on a vehicle with a ranger and a cameraman. And this morning, I started at 6 o'clock local time. And from the get-go, it was amazing. There, were che- there was a cheetah with cubs. There was a leopard with cubs. There were wild dogs on a kill. And so that's how my day started. And then it just got progressive. It went progressively downhill from there with lots of meetings and things like that. Of course, I'd like to think our conversation only went uphill from there. I already mentioned going to the Gemba and really understanding the frontline experience as being my favorite takeaway from the episode. Here's Michelle Ockers again, providing an example of an international retailer whose L&D team was able to solve a business problem by spending more time in the operation. I think two other things I want to mention briefly is the idea of going to the Gemba, spending time in the workplace, really understanding the workplace to design effective support mechanisms for people working in those workplaces. And probably one of the best examples I've seen of that is an organisation called Specsavers and for their retail staff selling spectacles in bricks and mortar stores where the learning and development team were charged with improving sales outcomes. So there was a direct business need identified. What they did was they went out in the stores to look at what was happening in the stores and they spent like a lot of time, weeks out in stores looking at the environment. They pulled data on where sales performance was best They pulled data on who were the best sellers and they went out and really looked at what they were doing and they spent time talking to the staff and they basically went back to the business and said, we need to redesign process based on what really works. So, you know, it was a shift in process by really under deep understanding of the workplace. 
Retail also came up again, along with airlines, as an example of organizations that really understand frontline training in the Middle East, according to Hazel Jackson from BizGroup. If we look at the two big airlines that we have out here, the main ones of Emirates Airlines and Etihad Airways, they've had a lot of what I'd call frontline training. They've built big academies. They have had a worldwide reputation for good service. There's now even a couple of the low-cost airlines that have done the same thing. They seem to have had a very good track record at building at pace and consistency for frontline training. A little bit less so possibly in some of the groceries or other areas around the business. Luxury retail has also done a good job. So we have a lot of great luxury shopping malls here. And where you have those stores, you also have people that have been trained well to manage that luxury customer. Michelle also echoed the frontline capabilities of airlines with a specific example of coaching cultures in contact centers. Coaching cultures, I think, for contact centres are very important and they often talk about having a coaching culture in place, which can be a variable quality. And one of the big challenges is often the people who are being asked to do the coaching, the team leaders, are also on the phones and don't have enough time to do it well. Probably the best example I've seen of that is at Qantas in their contact centres. And I did interview Bruce Love, he leads the learning and development for the Qantas Contact Centres in Learning Uncut episode 15, Learning Uncut, of course, being my podcast. And what I really liked about the approach they took, it was very integrated with looking at the whole of workforce structure. So they actually put in place a new role, a team coach role in each of their teams. And they looked at the numbers and what would they need to do to give someone the capacity to do that coaching effectively. And they were able to reduce time in classrooms, time off the job, and increase the quality of support to their team coaches, which was, if you can afford to do that, a really effective approach. You see, Michelle also managed to get a plug in there for her own podcast, Learning Uncut, which I highly recommend for even more great practical examples from Michelle and her guests. Now to Don Taylor, who shared what was probably the most interesting story of the episode. Unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, we can't provide all of the details, but it's still an awesome example of L&D ingenuity and proving the value of workplace learning from the bottom up. I'm thinking at the moment, I can't unfortunately mention the company, but it's a company that's involved in house-to-house selling of stuff, which right now you can't do because of the pandemic. Great. The L&D manager there has just turned things around. She is now running virtual house-to-house selling online, and sales have gone up. Now, that has happened for a variety of reasons, but a big part of it is her role in supporting people in that. Is she being noticed at the top? I'm not sure she is, because they're almost certainly looking at all the other factors that are going on. But it's her role definitely in driving this that has made the difference. Our final story comes from who else but Michelle Ockers. Michelle brings us full circle back to the idea of putting the person at the center of the workplace learning experience with her example from an Australian financial institution. The idea of human-centered design and using human-centered design approaches, which of course, spending time in the workplace is very human-centered. But there was an example from National Australia Bank where they had a very extended period of time in a contact center for staff who were first joining. It was a sales contact center. And they reduced that time in the classroom and spent a lot more time hands-on using kind of an incubator approach. So they put people in the classroom for a smaller period of time on the tools, taking real calls with additional coaching. So they really shifted the approach, but they did that by co-designing with people in the workplace. So I think that whole idea of co-design and really understanding your environment 
and involving the people who are doing the job in the design of the best performance support for them. I think that's really important. This pair of Global Perspective episodes reiterates the importance of getting out of our bubbles to share and listen to stories from our industry peers. Being able to tell stories brings a humanized approach to things that are happening in the world that you see through the media or your social accounts. And it allows you to get to a deeper level in understanding the feelings that are attached to what's happening. And if we can't share stories that are good, bad, hard to listen to, happy or sad, then we're never going to get a full picture of what's happening out there in the world. And we're never going to get a full picture of how we can do better. To provide the front line with the training and support they truly need and deserve, we all have to contribute. We have to break down silos based on company, region, industry, and other factors, and help people share their stories and experiences so we can solve problems together, not in spite of one another. I'd like to once again thank our panel of global workplace learning experts, Don Taylor, Danny Johnson, Linda Vanderloo, Hazel Jackson, and Michelle Ockers, for sharing their insights and experiences with us for this series. To listen to even more Frontline stories, you can subscribe to the 80% on your favorite podcast app. You can also find all of our episodes online at exonify.com slash podcast. Join us again in two weeks for another story about how organizations are helping Frontline employees make a difference in their organizations and communities. I'll see you then, Risha. See you later, JD. Until next time, be kind to the Frontline. <laughs>